You know what that music means? Yeah, we're ready. Back here on Darren, Donnick, and Chase, live at Pete and Terry's Tavern. Predators and Wild tonight, 7 o'clock puck drop. I'll have pregame for you at 6. Everything heard right here on ESPN 102.5, the game. Tim Hasselbeck, silly underdog picks, by the way, coming up at high noon, is on Whatever. the line with us. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. Tim, Tim how you can doing? you pick for me? Uh, yeah, I can pick for you. Okay, cool. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, we. Uh, probably, he, I mean, honestly, is is like tied at the hip as as we are. We probably just do the same picks anyway. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm looking for different picks because I'm over right now. So <laughs> maybe we shouldn't do the same. I mean, it's a little bit. You know, we're we're a little bit like you know, we you know we finish each other's sentences. We're we're like that that episode in that movie Frozen, right? Or that song was that song. The let it yeah. go. Let it go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you know how they, like, uh, yeah, that's Chase and I. But, I mean, I'd be over. <laughs> if I was thinking, I'd be over. Kind of like this conversation, uh, we're going to let that go. And, uh, <laughs> switch gears to, to football. Um, what did you make of Ryan Tannehill's start on Sunday versus the Chargers? Um, but, you know, I thought, you know, even though, like, Anytime you come in after not being the guy, um, you know, they'll ultimately would be some rust, no matter how much you've been a starter before, you know, just the, the speed of the game and, and that type of stuff. And, um, you know, I think I've probably just used the term before, like, hey, you know, does the guy play winning football? Does he give you a chance to win? And, you know, I'm not, you know, a person that kind of, you know, will phrase things that way. And I thought he did. I, I thought he, you know, played winning football um was it perfect no the things that he could probably have done better sure but i think ultimately um when you look at the the few plays that he made it was good enough to you know give the defense an opportunity late in the game to make a stop which they were able to do so you know could uh could marcus have played a similar you know fashion have we seen that from him yes but i think now what you're looking for is you know can ryan sustain you know, a handful of these in a row, you know, to be in a situation where, you know, they feel better about the move. You commented on NFL Live this week about Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston. For people who have not heard your comments, just kind of take us through what you were discussing in both quarterbacks in year five and where they stand today with their current teams. Yeah, I think the – you know, I don't, you know, we've done a number of segments, and those guys are obviously linked, and and you know we, you know, so it's always going to come up, and then obviously when they face each other, it comes up even more. But, um, you know, I think you know, the question that was posed to me was, you know, uh, which guy is more likely to be back with his team next year, and I think it would be Jameis Winston, and not that Jameis has been really any better than Marcus has been, but. Um, you know, there's a new coach down in Tampa who, you know, is trying to get Jameis to play better. And I think there are some that have, that believe that even if it doesn't go perfectly for Jameis this year, that they may, you know, find some type of deal to come to terms with, with him where he still remains the starter and maybe, uh, you know, there's an out for the team, you know, a year or two down the line. Whereas I think when you look at Marcus's situation, you know, it's, it's different. There's a new coach in terms of, the coach that drafted him, but at the same time, you know, that coach has made a move to go look at somebody else and to play somebody else. And I think that, you know, I, I wouldn't anticipate that Mike Vrabel is, you know, uh, going to change his mind a number of times 
you know, throughout the rest of the season. And with that being the case, there's a pretty good shot that Marcus has started his last game for the Tennessee Titans and is more likely than Jameis Winston to be elsewhere. Can you explain to us in our listening audience, by the way, we're talking with Tim Hasselbeck, brought to you by Wyatt Johnson Ford, just because you played the position, how it's one thing, there have been guys who have been turnover prone, but they've been able to overcome that and still have very, very productive long careers or even Hall of Fame careers, Brett Favre and others. We know that. But but how do you explain like a Jameis Winston who at times can just light it up, can go to L.A. and put 55 on the Rams, but then turn around the very next game and go to London and throw five picks and the Bucks have, what, what they have seven turnovers in the game? Like, how do – how does that happen? How do you go from one week of beating the team, putting hanging 55, and I know some of it was the defense, but hanging mm-hmm. 55 out at their place on the team that just represented the NFC in the Super Bowl, and then the very next week playing a Carolina team and just being just awful? How do you explain that in year five? Yeah, well, so what I would say is um, – you know, I think each quarterback is different. You know, certainly there's going to be ups and downs for, for every quarterback. I mean, let's not forget a few years ago, Tom Brady, you know, had a bad performance against the Chiefs and everyone's saying, okay, you know, he's done. And so I think that, you know, the peaks and valleys for guys that, you know, aren't as good or aren't as consistent, you know, they, they pop up, you know, more and down more, if you will. And so, I think there's an element of that. I, I've always felt like, and I remember talking to you guys about Jameis when he was coming out in the draft, basically talking about, like, I, he's he's always been reckless with the ball. Like, they are a team, you know, at, at Florida State that, like, they were better off when they were playing from behind than when they were protecting a six-point lead just because of the way he is with the ball. He, he's aggressive naturally. He takes chances. He's very talented in terms of how he can throw. And I think that at times he, he pushes the envelope with it. And so I think there's that element. And then in terms of, you know, other turnovers, he, to me, has never really improved at ball security in the pocket and as a runner. And, you know, I was around two different players in my career at two different positions that changed who they were as players in terms of ball security. One was Kiki Barber who was a very good player but was fumbling all the time. And Tom Coughlin and the running back coach, Gerald Ingram at the time, changed the way he carried the football because they basically said to him, you're good, but if you're fumbling, we can't play you. And so he changed the way he carried the football and ended up finishing his career much better than the middle part of his career. And then the other guy is Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner basically gets replaced by Mark Bolger in St. Louis because he keeps fumbling. You know, he's throwing some interceptions, but it was really the fumbling that was the problem. Well, he then goes to the Arizona Cardinals, is about to take over for Matt Leinart, and they tell him, Ken Wisenhunt and Todd Haley tell him, we want to play you, but we can't play you if you're going to continue to fumble in the pocket. And so that's when, I don't know if you guys remember, but Kurt Warner switched and started wearing gloves. He started wearing gloves mainly in an effort to just have better ball security while he's carrying the ball in the pocket. And so, um, you know, I just, I think, you know, some guys work on things to get better and improve so they have more highs than lows. And I think for Jameis and really the same for Marcus, you know, it just, it, it hasn't turned out that they've been able to eliminate the, you know, kind of those, those dud of games that 
everyone seems to remember. Tim Hasselback is with us. and So, Tim, let's switch back to uh, Ryan Tannehill for a moment here because this is another historical thing we've discussed. A lot of times by this time in a person's career, you are what you are. But there are some guys in history that once they had a change of scenery, for whatever reason, it was a fit with the new team. Uh, your, your dad played with Jim Plunkett, I remember, when, when all of a sudden he became a guy that won a couple of Super Bowls. Rich Gannon comes to mind. There, there's some it's rare exceptions, but in, in a best-case scenario, is Tannehill maybe just the right fit for this personnel? Yeah, there's a chance that it fits him better than, um, you know, what he's experienced in the past. I mean, let, let's face it. Let's just look at the Miami Dolphins and, you know, and just be fair about the fact that they played in division with the Patriots. Um, they've gone through a number of different coaches. It clearly hasn't been, you know, a situation there in, you know, the – I guess he was there seven years, and the seven years that he was there where, you know, you think, okay, yeah, that's going to be a perfect situation for a young quarterback. A young quarterback, by the way, I think Ryan had 17 starts um, coming out of school. You know, it's not like he had a ton of snaps under his belt at quarterback at Texas A&M. And so, you know, so he's coming into the league, you know, not having played quarterback the previous four years at Texas A&M. And then there's coaching turnover, and then there's kind of you know drama and stuff going on in the team. And so, could you envision you know another scenario, whether it's here or somewhere else, where you know he plays better? Absolutely, I think there are plenty of indicators that you could feel like you know what in a different situation with better support and you know more stability at the coaching position, could he could he be you know playing more consistently? Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. All right, we'll step away. We'll come back more with Tim Hasselback on the other side, of course, brought to you every week by Wyatt Johnson Ford. Back to wrap up the second hour of Darren, Donick, and Chase next. Pete and Terry's Tavern is the location today for Darren, Donick, and Chase. That means the Predators are home tonight. They take on the Minnesota Wild. Coverage starts at 6 o'clock here on the game. Darren McFarland, joined by Hal Gill, and, of course, the voice of the Preds, Pete Weber. We'll have the game for you on Fox Sports Tennessee as well. Tim Hasselback with us. We're talking NFL. Special day and time for Tim Hasselback today. Glad to have him as always. So He's the best. So, Tim, uh, just looking around uh, the, the league, let's, let's look at the opponent uh, this week for the Titans. It, it, trying to build off of, of what they're doing here. The Buccaneers, you got talking about Winston, but I, I'm curious your take on Bruce Arians. I, I know... With Kelly Holcomb, the relationship we've had with him for years on the show here, one of the guys he's always spoken fondly about, and he played for a lot of coaches just like you did, he loves Bruce Arians. And I, I, I know he's really had a lot of stress and he's been through a lot of health issues. As he tries to make his mark on on the Bucks. what are you seeing? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that Bruce, and one of the reasons somebody like Kelly would like him and um, – there are plenty of quarterbacks that have played for him that have enjoyed playing for him. I think because of, you know, his experience probably as a player and then his experience, you know, coaching the position. He's coached the position for a long time and he's been around some good ones. And so, you know, whether it's been, you know, listen, a guy like Kelly Holcomb, who, you know, I believe probably had the best year of his career around him. Um, you know, you think about, um, 
you know, somebody like, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, who, you know, was devastated when Pittsburgh moved on from him, that Andrew Luck had him early in his career. And, you know, anybody that, that has played for him that I've been around is always like, oh, hey, B.A.'s the best, B.A.'s the best. I mean, that's just, you know, kind of the, their reaction to him. Um, you know, I I think that he understands offensive football. I think he does a good job calling plays. I think he does a good job designing plays, you know, all of that stuff. I, I think in, in many respects he's kind of been, uh, you know, in some ways like the offensive version of Rex Ryan. You know, he's he's very bold with things that he says. Um, and, uh, you know, I think people just kind of, you know, shrug it off if that, that's how he is. But I just think as a, you know, as a head coach, when you look at his time in Arizona or you look at, you know, the early time here, I think what you could expect is improved offense, but, you know, also probably a little bit of a concern of like, okay, well, like what's the, what's the end game for them as the head coach? Like are they, is he really getting it turned around? Is the culture changing enough? that they end up being a Super Bowl contender. And then especially when you consider what that division looks like and, um, you know, and even with, you know, some teams going through their own struggles, it's not like, uh, you know, Tampa has, has been in a situation where, you know, they look like they're making a run at it. I mean, that's that, that's how I, I would see it. And it doesn't mean it's a, a total, um, you know, shot at, at, at Bruce Arians, but, you know, the reality is, is you look at somebody like Ron Rivera, who's in the division, he's playing with a different quarterback, and he's got his team absolutely rallying. Uh, I want to ask you about another program, basically, what, what you're seeing with the Colts, because I, here they are sitting at 4-2. and two. They don't look like world beaters, but they seem to give themselves a chance every week. They're 4-2. and two. They've got the Broncos coming in. They're a relatively heavy favorite based on, you know, the, the way this league goes. You don't. You're not favored by more than three or four points most weeks. They've got a great opportunity at home to go to five and two. So are you surprised that they've been this solid, or, or are you not surprised just because it looks like Frank Reich and, and the way they've built that roster up the last couple of years has been pointing in that direction for a while? Yeah, I'm not surprised at the success that Frank Reich has had. I remember talking to Nick Foles a couple off-seasons ago when you know Frank left to, to take the Colts job and and Nick, you know, was basically saying, like, the guy I think we're going to miss is Frank Reich. I mean, that's, you know, he was kind of talking from a Philadelphia Eagles perspective. I mean, he, I think he meant that much to that Eagles team. And, you know, Doug Peterson's getting a lot of the credit as he should because he's the head coach. But you know, I think Frank was doing a lot there. And I think that, that he was getting a lot out of players there. And I think it's one of the reasons, you know, Nick felt that way about him. And then talking to other players that have been around Frank, I, I'm not surprised that he's doing as well as, as he's doing. And then, you know, Chris Ballard, you know, made the comment that I think a lot of people say, like, hey, you know, this isn't going to be just about one guy here. And, you know, he had to do it because of the injuries to Andrew Luck and, and what they were dealing with. And so what they've done is they've built a pretty strong team, and, and they're, they're good up front on both sides of the ball. And I think that, you know, if you're good up front on both sides, then you at least have a chance. It doesn't mean that you are going to be good, but but it's giving your skill position guys a chance to be good. And I think that's exactly what the Colts have done. Is Marlon Mack way better than other guys? No, but does he run really well because he's got good guys in front of him? Yeah. And, and Jacoby Brissett's playing better, and T.Y. Hilton can get the ball, and Eric Ebron. All of a sudden you're like, well, why is he better than he was in Detroit? It's like, well, maybe because he's getting a chance. And then you look at a team like Cleveland, 
where they're not good up front. And even though they have all these great skilled position players, they're, they're not winning. They're not playing. You know, they're not necessarily you know playing at the level we think they would play. And I think it has a lot to do with the fact that they're not built. You know, up front. And so I think Chris Ballard's done a nice job with that. Tim Hasselback, ESPN NFL analyst, here with us on Darren Donica Chase. It's brought to you by Wyatt Johnson Ford every week. So, Tim, uh, you know, when Adam Schefter talks, we tend to listen. Uh, just like mm-hmm. when you Good talk, idea. we tend to listen. Um, and Shefty on, on Sunday, I guess it was, was talking about Tom Brady and how, you know, it, it was more of an opinion piece. I don't think he was really reporting anything, but mm-hmm. that, you know, he's got a year left and he sold his house and you could connect some dots that maybe he might leave the New England Patriots, which I know is is pretty crazy to think. But we were talking about it on the show yesterday and threw out, okay, if you were to connect him to some teams what would make the most sense? I did bring up the Tennessee Titans because of his relationship with Mike Vrabel and John Robinson, but do you think it, it is is it crazy to think that at 42, almost 43 years old, that Tom Brady could go play somewhere else next season? I mean, it seems crazy to me, but, you know, you said at the, the start, like when Adam Schefter says something, you know, it should get your attention. I've been around Adam for a long time and I've been friends with him for a long time. There isn't anything that he says on TV where he doesn't think about what the ramifications are of, of what he says. You know, like if he is saying something, and even if it's not a report, even if it's kind of an opinion-type deal, he knows that if he says something like uh, – you know, look, it, 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 he is possibly setting the stage to go somewhere else. He knows that that's going to be taken as a report by so many people. So um, he's not saying that just because it's a random opinion of his, I guess, is, is what I'm trying to say. And, you know, I, I certainly don't need to vouch for, for Adam's credentials, but, you know, he's right about a lot of stuff, Patriots, and he's right about, a lot of stuff Tom Brady and whether it's a Michigan connection or who knows, you know, how Adam's getting his information. The reality is is that in the business, if you went and you just kind of looked at the track record, he's right about a lot of stuff. And so for him to say that, you know, there's probably a little bit of smoke there. It's not just, you know, a a random opinion of of Adam's. And um, yeah, I think that, it probably makes sense to just kind of wonder this contract situation, the house in the market, you know, whatever it may be, you know, the fact that, you know, there's been, you know, some battles, you know, in the past there. Yeah. What I think he would leave. No, I don't. But, but Adam wouldn't say that if it wasn't some, something real to it. So before we wrap this up, just a hypothetical if you're the Titans and you know you're going to be in the market for a quarterback, which is how it appears right now, do you go on the premise of one year, let's say 30-ish million, you get Brady to come in and just say, hey, you do you? Well, I don't think there's any question if you if you were like, hey, we're going to try to be good. I mean, you're only you know, two examples of something like that where a guy's been a legend in a certain city and come and just kind of been a bit of a mercenary for a couple of years. I mean, the options basically are, are Brett Favre and, um, you know, the recent memory, Brett Favre and Peyton Manning. And, right. you know, while Favre didn't go to the, the Super Bowl, I mean, he got him pretty darn close to the Super Bowl, and obviously Peyton in Denver, you know, was outstanding. So, 
Yeah, I mean, listen, if you need a quarterback and Tom Brady somehow is available, yeah, I think you do everything you can. I, I would just think that if Brady ever was available, um, you know, the if Brady was ever available, I think he's deciding where he's going. I don't know if he's being talked into to where he's going. I think that he's making that decision much like, you know, much like it seemed like Peyton was, you know, at the time that, that he was doing it, which was different than Favre. Um, listen, the guy I think is interesting for for the Titans would be a guy that grew up not far from here is Phillip Rivers. Yep. Like if you were looking for a guy at the end of his career that you thought could maybe play well and, and give you better quarterback play than you've had, you know, Phillip, it would be Phillip Rivers. I mean, that's – I don't know if he would do it, but, but he would be the guy that would be the first one that jumps to the top of my mind. I'd give all of his kids jobs, too. They could do stuff around the facility, you know? Pick up trash or whatever, clean clothes. Daycare. Daycare, whatever, for the younger ones. Are there that many jobs available? Are there that many jobs available in Nashville? I lost track. Has he had a dozen yet, or can he field a football team? Does he have 11, or is it 10? I'm pretty sure that – I'm, I'm almost positive he has nine and maybe a tenth on the way, but I'm pretty sure yeah. he has nine. Maybe just add nine. Which, I, I think it's – yeah. So arena football. <laughs> well, I don't think they're I ready just, to play. I can't imagine. I don't – I don't – my mom is one of 12 kids. I'm not sure how people do it. I really don't. <laughs> I, I don't either. I, we've got a couple baseball families. They have six, and I'm thinking six. I have no – clue how they do that and you know we're talking nine ten i god bless them but i don't know how you do it that's that's amazing uh tim good by the way we agree with you i think if you were looking for a short short term fix uh philip rivers would be as about as good as it gets in mm-hmm. in our opinion so hey thanks there's, for doing there's this. gonna be guys think about it eli manning philip rivers what roethlisberger situation is what that does to you know the situation in pittsburgh uh andy dalton that situation whatever happens with the veterans in washington and what does alex smith end up doing i mean there there are all kinds of things that that are going to take bridgewater is going to be in the mix i mean it's gonna be a lot of change that the denver situation with flacco and you know there's gonna be a lot of turnover this year no doubt about it tim have a great rest of your week we'll talk to you next week Cool. See you guys. Tim Asselback, ESPN uh, NFL analyst, and, of course, our analyst every week, and he's brought to you by Wyatt Johnson Ford. We come back, kick off the next hour with silly underdog picks. That's next.